Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is my first book. Mmm, very nice. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up those knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and it is my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Ooh, a book. That's so exciting. It's a book. I'm a published author. That's fantastic. I need to say just straight up front so that no one thinks I'm trying to put on airs. This is a self-published book. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There was no contract. There was no advance. There is no money coming from this book in any way, shape, or form. It's a product of my doctorate program. Well, that was going to be my first question. If you're so ambivalent about writing a book, why did you write one? I guess I wouldn't say I'm ambivalent about it. I was overwhelmed by it, and it was not the most comfortable of processes. Fair enough. Which might be how book writing happens. So it was written as an assignment. Okay. So I'm getting my doctorate of ministry from Portland Seminary, which is affiliated with George Fox University here in Portland. And I'm working with Leonard Sweet as my lead mentor. And Dr. David McDonald is what's called our postdoc. Okay. So David has his doctorate of ministry through Portland Seminary, and he's coming back as kind of like chief TA in a way. Okay. He's getting a postdoc credit, which means he has work and a project that he has to do in order to do this work. Okay. So he's not teaching, but he's helping. Substantially helping. Okay. And kind of guiding a huge amount of this work. Okay. And Len is totally involved and set the framework, and David is teaching us how to bring it to life. Okay. In that kind of a way. So David's guidance on this was that Len has been working on creating what's called a story lectionary. Okay. We've mentioned it a few times, I think. It's been off and on that we've talked about this. And it's an idea of taking the entire story of the scripture of the Bible and trying to tell it in one big picture. Okay. So starting with the garden in Genesis and the Garden of Eden Mm -hmm. and going all the way to the garden in the book of Revelation. So from garden to garden, stretching the story out to kind of grasp one big picture story rather than lots of little stories. Okay. So tying it all together. In some ways. Yeah. And revealing part of God and revealing the story. Okay. So David's work, Dr. McDonald's work was to choose 52 texts out of the entire scripture. Ooh, whittle it down. To whittle it down to tell the story. So he chose 52 what we call pericopes, which is a small selection of texts from the scripture, 52 passages. And then the students in my cohort, we each took 12 of those 52. Okay. And over last semester, well, really the last semester and the summer and the time in between. So we've been working on this for a while. Okay. We wrote 12 different sermons, reflections, 800-word devotional-style pieces Okay, alongside of a brief kind of a blog reflection piece. And then we created Twitter posts and Facebook posts and some graphics and those kinds of things for all of these texts. Okay. So then my 12 are compiled and put into one book. 
Okay. And that's the book that has been published and is ready to launch one month from today's recording date. Yay. Which is really exciting and kind of cool. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later. I want to go back to actually the story. What 12 did you get? Are they related or are they completely separate stories? It all tells the same story, right? It tells the story of God, but I actually did stretch mine from Genesis to Revelation. So it's really heavy on John. Hmm. I'll admit that apparently four all landed in the Gospel of John, four of my 12, Mm -hmm. which I was surprised that I ended up spending so much time in the Gospel of John. But admittedly, Dr. MacDonald, David, chose not to use any of the Gospel of Mark. Hmm. I got on him about that, but he only could choose 52 passages total, so fine. I ended up with a lot of John. Like, I start with Genesis 1. Mm -hmm. That's the creation story. That's where my book starts, is with the creation story. And then it runs all the way through. I have four in the Old Testament, and then the rest are all New Testament. Okay. So four New Testament, I think there are five Gospels, one Acts, one Epistle, and then a Revelation, because I needed to stretch myself and try a Revelation one. Okay. Did you get a pick, or did he, were they assigned to you? We chose. So the way that we did it is when we got together last summer, the 52 passages were chosen, and then we each got to go up and sign up for whichever ones we wanted. Mm-hmm. So I went up and I signed up for the ones that I knew that I wanted, and I needed two more. Mm-hmm. And so I told one of my cohort members, choose two more for me. <laughs> oh, and I that said, could be pick, dangerous. Totally. And I said, pick one of the Revelation ones because I, I know I need to stretch myself. Revelation is not a book that I preach on regularly. It's I haven't spent a lot of time in it. And it's really, really complex. So I said, stretch me and put one in Revelation somewhere and then choose whatever else. And so she chose the Second Corinthians passage for me. Because she said that I talk a lot about smell. And so, and she was right. Once I started writing on it, she was absolutely accurate. Way to go, Mindy. And she chose a a revelation passage for chapters four and five. Were you always thinking I'm going to put this in its own separate book? We were told that. Okay. So that was part of the deal is that we would each have our own journals that were created. So there are 12 journals because there are 12 of us Mm -hmm. and they're all available for sale from all of us. And at the book launch, I'll have all 12 of them there. Okay. I'll have all 12 of the books at the book launch for people to see. And then what's happening with that is, say, most of the passages, maybe two or three of us wrote on it. Some of them, four of us wrote on it. And what David had to do was then work with a team of people to decide which ones were the most effective, I won't say best, but which ones really spoke well Mm -hmm. and told the story well. And then those were compiled into one master artifact Okay, with 52 sermons in it. So you got two books. Technically. Technically, my work is in the compilation book. Okay. And that master artifact has then additional material. So Len has written a foreword to every single sermon. All 52. All 52, which is huge. I thought, sure, a foreword to the book, maybe. Sure. But no, he wrote a foreword for all 52 of them. Wow. And David wrote a post-word for all 52 of them. Wow. 
So that's impressive. That's pretty good. It's going to be a pretty big book. Yeah. So that book, we're doing a one-time printing hardback with gold leaf. Going fancy. All fancy. So that book, we've already made the order, one-time order for the hardback fancy version. And then the paperback version of that will be available only on Amazon. Okay. That people have to order it from Amazon. Even us. We don't have any other way to order it. And all those details will provide for anybody who's interested. Yeah. And it's fun. It's exciting. I'm really honored. Six of my 12 were chosen for the Master Artifact. Nicely done. Thank you. Huge honor to have that many in the Master Artifact. Yeah. So that's exciting. So next month, the first week of June, so right before the book launch, is our last time as a cohort gathering together. And on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the first weekend of June, we're doing a preaching conference where we will be each preaching four of these sermons. Hmm. And it will be in Seattle and available to live stream and then available on YouTube afterwards. So if people want to learn more about this style, and really what this is, is it's a way to learn a new way of preaching. Mm Mm-hmm. Each one of these sermons has been built around a central metaphor. And by using this central metaphor, we create a whole sermon and an idea of what Len calls narrophoric preaching. So it's a narrative built around a metaphor. Okay. And I will say that these two years of being in this program have substantially changed my preaching style. And you can probably attest to this yourself as a member of the congregation. When I arrived here... I preached from a manuscript. Now I'm off the manuscript, much more participatory, much more conversational Mm -hmm. within the sermon. And usually there is some kind of central metaphor that you can walk away with. So an example is for the first chapter of John. We have the line, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. Mm -hmm. So I used the sermon that I wrote for the story lectionary in worship the week after the election. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what the metaphor was? Didn't you give out flashlights that time? I gave out flashlights. So for preachers to understand that this has been, what, November, (laughs) December, January, February, March, April, or the beginning of May, we're seven months later, and you remember that you got a flashlight. Yep. Right. So this style, Len wrote a new book about this called Giving Blood. And this style of preaching, it actually sticks with people Mm -hmm. and it lasts. And that little metaphor, that central idea of being a flashlight, the details of the sermon may not have stuck around, but some of the center of it is there. The gist is still there. The gist is definitely there. Now, not all sermons are going to work that well. But the ones that I have preached from this style, I'm impressed Mm -hmm. at how it actually works. So for preachers out there who are listening, who may be listening, there might be one of you. (laughs) There uh, could be a few more. There might be more. I recommend taking a look at Len's book, Giving Blood, and considering using some of those techniques. Having studied them for a year and a half, two years now, they're really working. Yeah, it's exciting. It's very exciting. Okay, let's get back to the book a little bit more in the specifics. So you knew it was going to be a book as you were writing these bits and pieces, and they're also intended to all be used as sermons? 
Yeah. So they are meant as a kind of resource for other pastors. Okay. So there are websites out there for pastors to kind of dip their toes into the different scriptures for the week. Lastminutesermon.com. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I don't know that one specifically, but... Uh, I just made it up. It could exist, actually. <laughs> but to give kind of starters, it's not necessarily a whole sermon. You would need to flesh it out. You would need sure. to add a little bit more to it. But the base kind of scholarship, the base exegetical work, the base research into how these things play, all that has been done for these and then pastors can take that and then build off of it. Okay. So is it written then for pastors or for anybody? Well, some of them might be written for pastors, some of my colleagues. But when I was writing this, I was looking at it and saying, well, who am I writing these for? Because mm -hmm. it's very, very different to write a sermon for the congregation. Oh, sure. And when we got this assignment, I had already started to go off of manuscript and these were written to be published, right? So they actually had to be typed down okay. and written. So it was pulling you back into the older way you were doing it. Exactly. And I didn't really want that. And so I ended up, instead of thinking about the congregation as I was writing this, I was thinking about my Derby community. Oh, okay. And people who lurk on my Facebook feed and who watch my sermons and those kinds of things from a distance who are not necessarily people who are in the church or people who feel safe in the church. So I tried to avoid some church ease, like the language -y kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I tried to, you know, really write for, for the community outside of the church and really write stuff for the Derby community. So three of these sermons, three of these 12s are specifically about Derby, huh. like straight up 100% about the Derby community. And that kind of stuff leaks through the rest of this, rest of them as it is. And some of them I wrote very much thinking of specific individuals in the Derby community, like the things that we had been talking about and what was on their hearts and hearing them and their hearts informed where I went with these and how I wrote them. And writing for preaching and writing to be read are very different. I would imagine. And so I just decided... I wasn't going to try to combine them, mm -hmm. which is part of what I'm intimidated about preaching these in Seattle. Because I wrote these to be read. I didn't write these to be preached. And so it's going to be very different for me to tweak them and play with them. To I'm preach pretty them. sure you'll come up with a good compromise. Well, I've used of these. So the John 1 flashlight sermon, I hadn't written. I had done all the research and I had the central metaphor. Uh -huh. And then I preached it. And then I went home and wrote it. So it still had room to come to life on its own when I preached it. Sure. Since the work has been done, I have preached the Jammer Sadness sermon. Was that the pick your head up one? Yep. Okay. And that's the Emmaus Road. And I just preached this one a couple weeks ago, specifically. And it's a very derby focused. And it worked. It had enough life to it. Unfortunately, the video camera didn't capture it. Oh, bummer. <laughs> it died. So I can't, I have no idea how long it managed to be because each of, for the conference, they're timed. Oh. We have a 3, 6, a 12, and an 18-minute sermon to deliver. Oh, my. That so. sounds like a pastoral challenge. And is somebody <laughs> going to get voted off the conference if you <laughs> messed it up? <laughs> 
<laughs> We're going to have judges and feedback, Yeesh. and it'll be fascinating. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting to preach them post, but I did really write them for people on the outskirts. Okay. And for a progressive audience. You know, none of it is so theologically different from anything else, or but it definitely has a progressive grace base. It's from me, so it's going to be that way. Interesting. Getting back to the bigger book of all 52 put together, mm-hmm. was there any concern about there being so many different voices, or is that part of the project itself? I think that's part of the project. And part of what I'm excited about that book for is that we have a tremendously diverse cohort. Mm -hmm. Myself and a UCC pastor here in the area are probably the most progressive and left-leaning of the crew. And then we have pastors who serve megachurches in Texas. Oh, wow. And from extremely conservative backgrounds and extremely conservative voices. And one of our members works with T.D. Jakes, who has a congregation of hundreds of thousands in a TV ministry. He's an incredibly huge televangelist presence. And she's one of his ministers and she works with Bishop Jakes on a daily basis, right? So we have this huge diversity within our cohort, both of gender and race and theology and geography and voice and style. We run the gamut from ELCA and our denomination of Lutheran and United Church of Christ to Nazarene and Methodist and Missouri Synod Lutheran. And wow, we're all over the place. So I think it's really awesome to have such a compilation of incredibly varied voices, but all using the same basic technique. And to be able to show that this technique will play to the Mennonite cohort as much as it will play to the Presbyterians, as much as it will play to Lutherans. It's not a theological technique. This is a way of speaking and a way of lifting up God that is going to transcend theological boundaries with one another and just be an effective tool across the board. And I'm excited about that. Our cohort, the diversity is our strength, I Mm -hmm. think. And I love the fact that we have such an incredible relationship in a time when we become more and more and more intensely divided. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a group of people who would normally get together and have any sort of helpful, useful discussion about anything. Right. And we pray for each other all the time. Our Facebook group, oftentimes it's, I need you to lift me up in prayer for this and this is going on and could you hold my congregation or hold my people in prayer for this? And we're able to cross all those boundaries and what we care about is shining the light of God into this world and we know we're doing it more effectively with these techniques and for having known one another. That is one of the more hopeful things I have heard in a long time. <laughs> and and it it's cool. It's cool to be a part of. And I think that this story lectionary book, these 52 sermons, I think that it can show this incredibly fractured country and fractured theological spectrum that it's possible to work together to create something really awesome. And huge kudos to David and to Len for taking the risk on us and having us do this and committing so much of their own energy into helping us be successful. Without their support and without their time and their effort and energy, 
this couldn't have happened. So it's really awesome. And David has some amazing editors on his team. I would imagine. Who have gone through and created 13 books, right? Oh, sure. One master and then the 12. The 12 journals. And that they did all the design and all the layout and all of that work on. Wow. And getting it off to the publishers and making sure that the self-publisher like has everything that they need in the right way. And it's a big deal when you're self-publishing to have someone really good at doing all that work. And mm -hmm. that team have done beautiful things with what they've created. So it's pretty cool. Very cool. So you said you chose 10 and somebody else chose two. Mm -hmm. Did the writing of these go the way that you thought or was the two chosen for you easier than you thought it was going to be? And one that you thought it's going to be a piece of cake was the most challenging. That's a good question. It was interesting because I was then writing two sermons a week. Oh, one that you were preaching and one that, oh, ah, yee. Right. It was rough because I was writing one to finish on Wednesday to turn in for the story lectionary. <laughs> and then, and then I minute sermon get on, <laughs> and then going on to, you know, the Sunday sermon. So I'm someone that I don't know why this is, but I have to do sermons like in the order in which they're coming. Oh, sure. That makes sense to me. Some preachers can do it differently. Mm -hmm. Some preachers work a month ahead and really hold on to things. But because my brain is created the way that it is. If I have a funeral in a week, you know, if that's mm -hmm. coming up first, I do the funeral sermon first, and then I get on to the Sunday sermon so that my brain is consumed with one set of scriptures and one set of images, one message. And then I set that one aside and do the next one. So it gets really hard in other calls when I've had two or three funerals in a week plus a Sunday sermon. It just holding all that mm -hmm. gets rough. So I was writing two sermons a week at the time, and I would say I didn't decide to do like, well, I'm going to start with Genesis 1 and then I'm going to do Exodus 2. You didn't take them in order that way. I didn't take them in order. I ended up having my list and I would go in for the week and I'd sit down and I'd look at what was left on my list to write and I'd listen for where the Spirit was calling me. Sure. And then I would write that sermon for the week. And the hardest one to do ended up being the one I'm the most proud of. Because it was the hardest one to do. Sure. And I will be preaching it at the conference because I think that's probably the only place that I could ever preach it. Oh, really? Okay, now I'm intrigued. Right. So it's the John 20. It's the resurrection. Uh, Mary Magdalene in the garden with Jesus. Why is that the only place you could preach that one? You'll have to read the book and find oh, out. Oh, man. Cliffhanger. Or watch the sermon live. Wow. So I've called it Tomb Breaker. And there okay. Were, there were glimpses of it on Easter. Okay. There were definitely glimpses of the sermon in Easter, but not the heart of what I wrote in the book. Dang. So you'll have to... Fine. Keep me on the hook. I'll, I'll read it. I'll figure it out. Well, and for those who are really curious, most of these are already posted on my website. Oh. Because as I was writing them, I was posting them up on my blog. Sure. Some of them have been edited and rewritten because we were given the opportunity to rewrite them at the very, very end and to edit oh, them. Oh, just wait for the final so product. You can either go online and, and take a peek or you can read it in the finished product. Oh, wait for the finished product. I want the best version available. <laughs> so you can find that story, like I said, on my website. My website, 
that is holding this work and the work for my doctoral program in general is called takemywheels.org. Like Jesus Take the Wheel. Sure. So Jesus Take My Wheels is the name of the website. It makes me laugh every time I see it. (laughs) And the URL itself is just takemywheels.org. And on there, you can go and you can pre-order the book. You just click the button there on the front page. You can pre-order and you can pick it up if you're here in the Portland area. You can pick it up at the book launch party. Oh, you can get it signed. You can get signed copies. And if you're even far away, you can still get a signed copy. You can order it and I'll mail it out to you. And the book launch will be June 11th from 3 to 5 here at Central Lutheran. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a raffle copy of that master artifact. Nice. hardback. Ooh, signed. the fancy one. I'm going to get it signed by everybody. Very nice. And we'll have that for the raffle. We will be serving alcohol. So if coming into a church is a little intimidating for you. <laughs> we got your back. We got your back. You can take a little edge off. Dawn is going to be bringing some desserts and some tasty treats. I'm baking goodies. Yum. And we're doing all kinds of fun things. So that'll be 3 to 5, June 11th. And the book proceeds, what little there will be, are all going to be split 50-50 between Central Lutheran Church and Rose City Rollers. Okay. Now, something we neglected to bring up at the very beginning is the role that Derby plays in all of this. So just go back a little bit and say, why? Why Rose City Rollers? So that community is near and dear my heart, but the Derby community, go back and listen to the podcast on Derby in the early church. Sure. Because we've done it and you'll get a glimpse and then read the book and then keep an eye on my website for the next year. All righty then. There you go. There's an answer. Another cliffhanger. I know. Nice. Keep people intrigued. Okay. Last question. How many more books are you going to (laughs) write? As many as God makes me. Because it's not an easy process. (laughs) So by personal choice, we're looking at one and done. (laughs) Maybe. Yes. All right. Fair (laughs) enough. But maybe there will be more. I don't know. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about your very first book. I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And thank you all so much for your support. I hope to see an order for you. If you are a Derby girl and you would like a copy of it or in the Derby community and would like a copy of it, there's a code for a free copy for you waiting on my Facebook page. So go check that out. You can learn more about that at takemywheels.org, but you can always contact us at podcast at centralportland.org. We look forward to hearing from you soon and seeing you online. Until we're back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.